You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, Michael, um, this this edition, it's our first instant uh, instant reaction cast of the year here on the Tomahawk Nation Hoops Dedicated Podcast. Uh, I'm Matt Minnick, joined by Michael Rogner. And and I think, you know, we're doing this because I think, uh, you know, obviously that was a disappointing loss against Notre Dame. And and, and it's, it's may, maybe the conversation will drift into it's not just a disappointing loss against Notre Dame, but actually it's been some trends now that have popped up um for for now that we've played 20 21 games you know over the course of the season um so this could this could i i have a sense maybe roll into a little bit of a larger conversation but but michael just sticking with the notre dame so this we're coming to you here on on saturday afternoon march 6th uh we just watched florida state travel to south bend indiana uh with an opportunity to to with a win it was a foregone you know certainty that they would uh, hang a banner as the ACC regular season champions for the second year in a row. Um, that you know, so the the technical champion of the ACC, like if you win the ACC championship, that's actually winning the ACC tournament. Nonetheless, um, unbalanced schedules be damned. Uh, the the regular season title is always a meaningful accomplishment as well, and one in which Florida State had never accomplished until last year. And this year they have the opportunity to go back to back. Uh, and that still does exist with a UVA loss tonight uh, against Louisville. But, but Michael, I saw a team that, that went on the road and opened a game. You have to know by now that you are a hunted team. You are the defending ACC champions. 
and and they went on the road to a team senior night you know, where, where it's very obvious that a team is going to, you know, even a struggling team is going to come out with a little extra pep in their step. And Florida State, to me, exhibited none of that. They were not able to match Notre Dame's uh, energy at all. This started with, with the top, like, senior leadership. There was no, no energy, I think, early from MJ Walker. Uh, not a lot from uh, Raekwon Evans or Raekwon Gray early on. Uh, and, and really it was just an immediate, it was immediately evident that they did not come prepared to play basketball at the level of which is required to win basketball games on the road in the ACC. Yeah. It looked like we were, we were playing a noon game and, and Notre Dame was playing a primetime game. It's just, FSU did not look prepared and it's 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 especially disappointing considering that both of last year's games were a one possession game against Notre Dame like Notre Dame clearly you know plays Florida State well and uh you know this team is not prepared and and, and, and I put a lot of that on the coaches the uh the, we can get into the into the lineups a little bit more 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 in the future but but just watching those early possessions, it's like, what in the hell are, is, is Florida State even trying to do against uh, what is a really bad defense? It was, it was a pretty frustrating game to watch, and you, you can't spot anybody a 20-point lead and then you know expect to come back and win. Yeah, I mean, you know, so Florida State was able to blow a 20-point lead uh, last week on the road against UNC. It's easier for the home team to come back from 20 down than it is uh, for the road team. But to your point, you're just not going to win a lot of games spotting teams 20 points. And 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 this is a bad team that they spotted 20 points. Um, I, I do want to get into some of the strategic, uh, you know, I, I, we can talk about this. You know, I don't think a big man played a minute in the second half. So I think obviously they, they realized that the game plan they drew up was not the right game plan. Um, and I want to talk about, I think we should talk about that. I also think it is on the coaching staff uh, in terms of the way in which the team came out. I get that this, I, I probably, I can't say I get this season from a COVID standpoint. I, I, I understand uh, having played a sport in college that this, that the grind of a regular season is long and hard and it is not feasible that any athlete, while balancing uh, school and life and, and all kinds of crap that everyone's dealing with, um, it is not feasible that you're going to have, that every guy is going to have that same edge every game. Uh, and I can't even imagine what it's been like with all the protocols and the, and the, the dis, this kind of the just like dysfunctional nature of the way the game's been uh, with COVID this year. But to come out so flat and and to have it really be a repeat of the second half of the last road game uh, is just disappointing. And, and I think the coaching staff knows by, I mean, Hamilton has verbalized that this team doesn't have a Trent Forrest. This team doesn't have a Terrence Mann or even a Michael Ojo that's, that has that ability to be the coach on the court and, and instill that sort of mental toughness of, Hey, we got to bring it every game. I don't know that this team has that. And, and so that's on the coaching staff to build that in. And, and that clearly wasn't present today. 
Yeah, the other the other thing that we don't have is a is a high level defense that allows you to 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 win those kind of games. Florida State traditionally has has been able to count on the fact that you know they're going to get some kills, which is three stops in a row. You know they're they're going to get some kills throughout the game. Um, you know several of them, and which will allow them to kind of cut into those you know ten point leads or whatever, turn it into a two point lead. And this team just doesn't have it. You know, it's, it's not a good defensive team. Um, Notre Dame pretty much made a living at the at the free throw line today. Most free throws they've shot in three years. Um, early on, they were they were hitting threes. You know, and Florida State wasn't, and it, it just it just all kind of steamrolled. And every time that Florida State started to make a little run, Notre Dame would just come right back because Florida State could not get stops. Yeah, and even when they did string together a couple stops in the second half, so they, they got a couple stops. I think they did get a kill right out the uh, right out the gate and went on a seven zero run to kind of quickly trim it from sixteen to eleven. And you thought, okay, that's you know now it's actually a workable margin. I feel like they had a couple more consecutive stops uh, again. And unfortunately they came right down and charred, traveled, got a charge, turned it over. Like it's just, it, they just couldn't put it together. And you're right. It's not an elite defense. It's not, it's not a horrible defense. The defense still does things well. They still block shots at a, at a high rate. Uh, they still are able to generate turnovers in bunches i don't it's not the type of team like last year that was able to to just i mean turn teams over almost a quarter of their possessions but they still are able to generate turnovers in bunches uh, particularly when they have a lead seems like it's a front-running defense that's able to kind of extend some pressure uh, but you're right it's not a great defense you know if you go down at halftime let's say 39 to 31 i think you can come out with a win here but you give up almost half a hundred to, to Notre Dame to a, so a sub 500 team. I mean, that's just, you're not winning that game. Yeah. And I, I honestly don't even know what to, what else to say about this game, except for it, it exposed, you know, those flaws that Florida state has been kind of toying with all year. We, we do not shoot the ball well on the road. Uh, you know, part of the reason that our offense is so good is that we played so many home games uh, we we cannot defend without fouling. You know this is this is yet another team that's had its its season high in free throws. You know when facing Florida State, that just that just sort of happens. Um, and you know we're, we're, when when it comes down to to you know all those 50-50 balls, and if if it's a game where we're not getting them, then you know it's it's a game that we're not winning. And and th- there was that little. Uh, uh, moment at the end of the game it was 74-70 Notre Dame and, and we came down and and uh, first uh, Raekwon Evans made a terrible pass off of Scotty's foot with turnover and then the next pos- possession Raekwon Gray comes down and just you know coughs up the ball and it was it, it was just you know what, what one of those th- days where things aren't going right and you know Notre Dame was playing pretty well but if you look at Notre Dame's stats on the game you know they didn't shoot the ball that well they came out hot but they only ended up like 33% or something for the for the for the game so you know it, it's it's a good thing they weren't shooting better or this this would have been a lot more than just uh, I think it was fi- the final was like a 10 point margin yeah and you're right you're I mean they shot really well early and I think I think I, I don't know. I just going back to the, the front running nature of Florida state that we've seen. I, I, I just, it, I don't know if that's mental toughness. I don't know if it's the fact that look, if, if just being objectively speaking, other than MJ Walker, every guy on this team who's playing big minutes has previously been a role player in 
for this team. They like for this program, I should say, not for this team, for this program. Uh, Raekwon Gray has made tremendous strides this year as a basketball player, but last year he was not even playing the sixth most minutes, right? That was Patrick Williams, you know, so, um, and Raekwon Evans was, was a really good backup to Trent Forrest last year. You mentioned those two guys just with those turnovers late, you know, it, it does seem like, Hey, if that's Trent Forrest, hand, I, you know, we can't, we can't make up the pass, but it does. I have to imagine that one of those possessions where it's 74 to 70, we were in Notre Dame last year. It was a, a close game late last year. Trent Forrest did get to the bucket and kind of grab his own miss and get, and get a shot, you know, to, to get the win. Um, you kind of got to feel like maybe there's some of that just mental toughness missing, but, but again, I think it's also just, it illustrates to your point, just the continued weaknesses that we've seen all year. And let's start with, let's go back to what you talked about the, the strategic kind of game plan. This is not, we don't have, I don't know why we came out trying to force feed the ball to, to Noren gum. I, I mean, I've, I'm glad he's coming back next year. It's always nice to have another big man on the, on the roster. And he certainly can, uh, you know, at times be an impact defender, but why, why are we coming down earlier in the game and saying like, Oh, we're going to like, this is our plan. We're going to, we're going to force entry passes into, into Ngam. Yeah. I would love to go back and look at the data for the past few years. Like how many minutes are the seven footers playing in the first half versus how many minutes are the seven footers playing in the second half? And I, I know that the answer to that question is heavily skewed towards the first half. So what so what is driving these game plans to make, the coaching staff think that uh, you know someone like Ingham is, is going to be successful, or so, or you know even even Balsa. Like we're we're playing a team that just wants to spread you out and drive, and you know look what happens in the first few possessions of the game. You know, the, I think the very first shot was a three pointer over Balsa. You know, it's 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 a surprise to absolutely nobody. So I I, I don't understand like the insistence that we have with going big in games where it's very clear that our bigs are, are doing us no favors, you know, on, on, on the defensive end of the floor. And, and we just don't have, you know, a, a real talented big, like, you know, you know, some of the guys you see in the big 10 who can, who can really take over the, the scoring load, you know, Balsa, you know, he made a couple shots. That was fine. But, but yeah, seeing, seeing Ingum in there, even though he only played five minutes and then that, you know, the three he took was just like, no concept of time and score and, and understanding of how to win basketball games. Yeah. Balsa takes that three a uh, few weeks back at home in a game that Florida state's already leading by, you know, double digits and there's two or three seconds left on the shot clock and Balsa hits that three. This, this three comes early in the shot clock when you're losing and, and trying to just establish an early rhythm. I mean, that, that alone would have been enough for me to, to sit his ass down for the rest of the game. That, that one shot alone. Um, but I, I'm with you. I, there is this insistence to say that because we're a taller team, we should, we should impose that height will on, on the opponent. And, and honestly, for where I've noticed the length to actually be the biggest impact over the last few years, when we look at, um, the games where it's kind of been that, that game changing length, it hasn't been for me, the seven, two guy that, yeah, it was nice to have Kamaji who was able, you know, in certain games to just, you know, put his hand up in the air and, and catch lobs uh, from, from Terrence or Trent, but 
the real game changing length to me has been the positional length at at the one at the, the point guard and then sort of like the the positionless wings that we have right the ability for a pat williams to be three or four inches bigger than the guy that is guarding him or, or the ability for a Trent Forrest to just rise up and shoot over maybe a smaller guard like Kihei Clark. Um, and, and so it's, it's even more baffling to me that this year we actually have a guy, Scotty Barnes, who is six, nine, who has a seven two wingspan, who can be a guy that can be a small ball center at times. And I get that he's also a good point guard, but you can, you could bring up the ball on offense and still be a small ball five on defense. And, and that makes our ability to switch so much better. I, I just don't get it sometimes. Yeah. Scotty had, I think 17 points today and it was, it was almost exclusively out of the post. And I, and I was watching that game. I'm just like, where the hell has this been all year? Like, well, why is he suddenly finding success, success posting up against good post players? You know, John Durham, six eleven. he's 23 years old. He's, he's been around the block and, you know, Scotty's just, just taking him to town. So I'm, I'm kind of wondering where that's been, but the, the larger point is that Florida state can go small and still be bigger than the other team. And, and, uh, you know, we, we saw that in the, in, in the, in the second half. And then in the, in the first half, if you are going to insist on going big, then why are we still switching one through five? You know, there's, there's, there's no rule that says that we have to switch our center onto the opposing point guard whenever they feel like it. You know, why aren't we hard hedging and, and, you know, trying something a little bit differently on defense that doesn't just open up everything that Notre Dame wants to do, um, yeah, so it was it was a pretty frustrating game for me from from a from a coach's standpoint. Um, you know, the, the 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 players obviously you know weren't quite as prepared as they should have been. Um, you know, on their own you know mental mental dime there, but uh, th- this one really hits home with the coaching staff. And I, yeah, I love these coaches. I think they're great at their job. But you know, today was not their their shining moment. Yes, I think that's an important point to make this is in no way a podcast that is arguing for, for the dismissal of any coach on this staff. Um, that, that I just want to make that clear. I, I, th- I mean, as far as I'm concerned, uh, Hamilton, I don't want to give lifetime contracts, but I mean, just, I, I'm fine with him staying here uh, and Stan Jones and the CY as long as they want to stay here. Um, and, and you know what? I, if someone came and made an instant reaction podcast of every day of my, you know, my day job, I, there would be instant reaction and podcasts um, for, for times that I didn't, you know, perform. I wasn't prepared enough for a meeting or I didn't have a good enough strategy going in uh, to maybe a project that I should have had. Uh, so this, this is not, is not a position to, I think, get on some sort of uh, firing coaching staff rant, but, but it is, it, it was a frustrating game from a game plan standpoint. And it has been a frustrating trend that we, again, have the ability to go small enough to switch and still be positionally big and just haven't done that as much. Um, I, I do wonder if some of that is, is COVID. You know, you mentioned um, why are we still switching the five? Like, I, I honestly don't know how much we've practiced other defenses, certainly in the pre, you know, guys like Ngam didn't even get to the to school until maybe August or September. Um, the, the off season was, was pretty truncated. And I, I don't even know if, if we've practiced defenses other than, 
than switching one through five. I'm, I'm sure that we could, you know, toss out a junk zone here or there, but it's not like we've been really effective running, running that this year. Um, but let me, let me, um, let me pivot a little, because you also said something else that can, that FSU continues to shoot poorly on the road. And, and that, you know, people talk about, is this team better, you know, better than last year's team. I, for me, it's, it's a clear no at this point. I, I'll say that this team is a better three point shooting team at home. And they have been able to play a lot of their games at home. And, and, there this team has one way of playing that they are really really good at and that is bombing you from deep and and then generating uh aggressive defense off of made shots to then to then create you know speed the opponent up and either create actual turnovers like we saw in the first half of the unc game or just uncomfortable play like we saw from UVA where, where the, the, the opponent is just not able to generate their sets. And those are largely coming off of made shots. I don't know that this team has an ability to win games against uh, even NIT opponents when they're not making threes. And the problem moving forward is that Florida state is a uh, 42.6% three pointing three point shooting team from at home. In home games this year, Florida State is 42.6 from beyond the arc. Uh, most of those games are either conference games or, you know, power five opponents like, like Indiana and Florida uh, UF. In games away from the Tugger Center, Florida State is now shooting after the Notre Dame game 30.6%. Uh, so it is a uh, 12 percentage point difference from home and away. Uh, that's not something that is just this year. It was also uh, a large gap last year. I think we were about 38% last year at home and about 33 or 32% uh, on the road or in road neutral games. Michael, what do you make of that? Well, clearly the answer is you play the NCAA tournament at the tuck and then, 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 all and then we're the champs. Yeah. You're right. The, the, the good news in that is that uh, tournament games are not road games. They're neutral games. So both teams are playing away from home and it's, it's not uncommon, you know, for, for any team to shoot worse away from home than, than it is. Our, our splits are pretty bad though. And uh, if, if you look at our most efficient games of the season, we basically have, you know, at Louisville and at Miami were our only two games where we were really efficient on the road. And our four worst um, uh, games of the year were all were all road games, and we shot under thirty percent and from deep in, in in all of those games. So it's it's a it's a um, disturbing, disappointing trend. Um, if you you know, but if you are looking for another another little bit of bright side in that is that at these these neutral site tournaments, you know, you you get to go in and you get to practice multiple times. You know, in in in, in the shoot around, it's not like uh, uh, Notre Dame where I don't even know if the team shoot, got 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 to shoot before you know the, the shoot around before the game. Um, you know, you get you get a few days to prepare, and 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 it, and it kind of sets you up a, a, a little bit differently than than a true road road game. So. I wouldn't get too hung up on the on the road uh, stats, but it it, it it is a a a troubling trend, and 
I, I would agree with you that, you know, we're, we're not beating a lot of teams when we're not hitting threes. And, and, and the reason, you know, when I look at the team, the reason I, is, is that it's our defense is just not, you know, geared to getting, you know, getting a bunch of stops and keeping us in those games. We've only won two games this year where, where we scored under a point per possession um, out of, out of six games that we, uh, we played last year. I think we won six or seven games where we, uh, you know, under a point per possession. And granted, we played a few more games, you know, because last year was full season. But if, if you if you look at our three least efficient games of the year last year, it was um, against Virginia, Purdue and Tennessee. And we won we won all three of those games, you know, and it's and it's that's the difference that having an elite level defense um, and some senior leadership gives you. And, and to me, that's that's the big question mark heading into the ACC tournament. Yeah, those are all those are all eye-opening uh, stats, and and I think your point about the NCAA tournament being played at a neutral site is a really good one. Uh, we have not played a neutral site game this year. Uh, Purdue and Tennessee, for example, last year were both played at neutral site. Uh, were on a neutral site floor. Neither team played all was all that efficient in those games. I, I remember sitting courtside at the Emerald uh, Coast Classic, and you know you mentioned Florida State getting a win uh, while playing not very efficient offense and, and neither team really was, was shooting the ball well in that gym that, that is, you know, kind of neutral court life. Um, and, and this year, actually the NCAA tournament at least is going to be even more sort of unique in the fact that any team that does sort of make a run, let's say they get to the second weekend or the third weekend, you're actually playing all your games in Indianapolis. Now there's going to be a couple of different courts, but you, you could end up playing four or five games on on the same court or maybe one of two courts. Uh, so I, I think some of the comfortability there with the sight lines uh, will be very different than playing a true road game. But let me hit you with a difference that Michael, because what's interesting to me is that. Um, so yes, on the it, it's true. We've played no neutral site games. So when I say away from Tucker center, those are all road games. Uh, so in our seven road games, we are 30.6 uh, from, from three, which, which is 253rd in the country. Uh, if, if you were to, if that was our average for all season, right, it's 253rd in the country. What's really interesting is that in those seven games, actually opponents are only shooting 28.6% uh, from three against us. So despite us shooting 30% from three in row in the seven road games, our opponents are only shooting 28.6% and they're at home. Mind you, those opponents are playing home games, shooting 28.6%. And we are still only three and four in those games. And, and that goes back to what you said. We cannot keep teams off the free throw line. We, we just cannot keep. And so at home, we send teams to the free throw line, but we're able to make up for that by essentially getting three for two, right? Great. You guys make a couple free throws. We're going to come down here and make half our threes. So cool. You know, we'll take that win. Um, we're not able to do that on the road. And, and we just, you can't, you can't not make shots and send a team to the free throw line and then take it one step further. And, and I hear a lot of talk about, Oh, well, another team that just shot lights out from the free throw line against us, our opponents on the road are shooting 77.3%. Uh, and, and for the year we're bottom like 10 in the country. Well, you know what? We foul a whole lot of guards like Prentice hub on drives to the basket. This isn't a one-year thing. We were bottom 
10% in the country or 20% in the country last year in opponent free throw percentage. We were bottom 10 or 20% in the country two years ago in opponent free throw percentage. When you send Prentice Hub to the line seven or eight times, Prentice Hub is going to make seven or eight free throws, particularly at home. That just seems like we're not only fouling, we're fouling the good shooters. Yeah, it's no, it's no secret you know, what, what other teams are doing to be, if, if you allow Florida state to just sit back in your bait in their base defense, and you're trying to run your sets, you're not going to, you're, you're not going to win. You know, the way that you beat Florida state is that you, you, you spread them out and you dribble drive and it's, and it's, and it's, it's good that Florida state is able to take teams out of running their sets, but the inability to, to, to defend the dribble drive is is really hurting this team and it doesn't matter if we go small or big it doesn't matter if we have somebody in the post or not it's just it's not happening you know we're, we're not we're not defending it uh you know consistently um in a, in a way that a championship team needs needs to defend it you know we we have we have our moments the defense you know flashes occasionally here here or there but it's just you're, you're missing that consistency consistent level that you need um, for a championship team and if you if you take this year's uh, team's ability to make three and last year's defense um, and leadership then you know that that's a championship level team then you have Baylor um, right <laughs> yeah exactly right and now we're now we're you know to the point where where we're we're just kind of hoping for good matchups and uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to get too down, too far down the negative train here because, you know, the reality is it's the last Saturday of, of the season and we still have the chance to win the, the ACC. Uh, so it's, it's not like, you know, the, the, the golden years from 10 years ago when we're just hoping to make the tournament. Um, you know, this, this is still a very good team. This is still, you know, a, 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 it's going to be a top four or five seed in the NCAA tournament. So it's, 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 a, it's a little bit of pick and nits. It's a little bit of, of uh, our own. Um, success kind of kind of driving these things but this is where the program is now you know it's if you if you want to step up and be the new blood and you want to play with the big boys you gotta you gotta find some consistency on both ends of the floor yeah I think that's exactly right I think that's a great this is different conversation than you know like you said 10 years ago it's we might been lamenting oh man we just lost like this was our chance to get a road win to maybe get us off the bubble right like that's we don't need to have that conversation we are a team that has fulfilled the prophecy of, of Leonard Hamilton, which is we, are, we have become a, a program of relevance, both you know, regionally and nationally in college basketball. And, and so I, I think it's less about, at least for me, Michael, I, I'll tell you, if we'd have done an instant podcast after the, uh, after the North Carolina loss, that would have been explicit. Uh, because even though both of us project, we, we actually both predicted FSU to lose that game. So, you know, couldn't even be surprised. I think when you, when you start the way we did and shoot the way we did early on, there's an expectation that the rea- like the, the reality of the project- projections have changed. Uh, and, and you got to expect your defense to be good enough to, to get that win. They weren't. Uh, today, it was the exact opposite. Start dig yourself such a hole that, uh, you know, you tried in the second half, they, they displayed some nice, you know, effort and intensity went small, made an adjustment. I really liked that adjustment, wish it came a little earlier, but a loss still is a loss. I think what we're doing maybe is, is trying to just push a little bit against the narrative that you see a lot of times in Twitter or, or whatever, you know, uh, 
uh, message board you're on where it's like, oh, well, another team just goes off from three against Florida State or something like that. You know, you know that's not really true. The, the best – we've played seven games away from Tuck. The, the best that an opponent shot all season in a game away from Tuck from three was Miami going eight for 23 in a game they lost by 17. So that's the best all season. Uh, you know, Clemson went seven for 24 from three when they beat us. Um, Georgia Tech went seven for 24, same exact uh, numbers from three when they beat us. Notre Dame just went nine of 27. You mentioned earlier, it could have been, could have been worse. North Carolina went five of 23 uh, from three, but, but here's what those teams did. George uh, Clemson, a 52.4 free throw rate. They, they not free throw percentage, but the amount they're getting to the free throw line compared to the number of shots they're taking 52.4 uh, Georgia tech, a 43.9 North Carolina, a 50 Notre Dame, a 63. Uh, that, that is not, you're not winning basketball games by sending your opponent to the line that much. And the Notre Dame game, by the way, Michael, uh, was our lowest, at least on Bart Torvik, which is like a, another version of Kinpom for those out there. If you're looking for a different site, it's free, by the way, barttorvik.com. Uh, the, the Notre Dame game was our lowest game score of the year. Uh, our, our highest game scores were a tie between the North Carolina State and the UVA home games and then at Louisville right there as well. This was the lowest game score in terms of like our performance versus expectations of the year with the second lowest being the home loss to UCF. So it doesn't give you that warm and fuzzy feeling going into the ACC tournament, even though to your point, if Louisville beats UVA tonight, Florida state is still the regular season ACC champions. And we should also kind of, point back to that uh the 2018 team that went to the to lead eight and was a, a minute from going to the final four that you know that that team lost three or four heading in, into the NCAA tournament so it's not it's 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 you know you obviously you want to be playing your best in March but you know that once once we get into tournament play it's it's a lot uh, uh more interesting who is you know what's the name on the jersey that you're playing that's what that's what's important um, and so uh, it's it's frustrating to see Florida State kind of finish the year with with you know arguably one of their worst games of the season. But you know it is what it is. You got to you got you got to recircle the wagons and and get ready for whoever that first opponent is in the ACC tournament. Which if if you're looking at the brackets, it's kind of uh, there's a pretty good chance that that, that first team is going to be North Carolina. I, it looks like it, um, you know, a lot, a lot still to be determined with, with this Louisville UVA game. Why don't we take a really quick break? I, I don't know that we're going to spend a whole lot of time uh, on the future, but let's take a quick break and then at least talk a little bit about, um, so what, you know, like you said, the regular season's over now, ended on a loss, which sucks, but um, let's look at the ACC and possibly NCAA tournament. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, so 
um, let's we're going to put that ugly game against the fighting Irish behind us. Uh, what, and, and we mentioned briefly that it, it is still possible for Florida state to be the one seed heading into the ACC tournament. Um, if, if they are the one seed, that means they're playing noon on, on Thursday against either the eight or the nine. And to your point, Michael, that look it, you know, there's some outcomes here, Duke and North Carolina have to play today, but it looks like that would either be against uh, Syracuse or, then a couple of, t- it could be, a, it could be Duke. It could be UNC uh, depending on, on how some of these games shake out. Also depending on if Virginia tech can even play in the ACC tournament, they've been on a COVID pause. I, I think though you would prefer to play Syracuse. Is that, is that fair, Michael? Yeah, I think so. That's fair. Yeah. And, and you know, again, we talked about a neutral court is not the same as a road. So I, I don't know that I would be all that concerned if, if Florida state got a chance to come out get some shoot rounds in and, and maybe bombs away against that Syracuse zone. If Florida state falls to the two seed uh, and they're in that sort of seven, 10 matchup, assuming that the 10 seed takes care of the 15 seed in the, in the opening round game. Um, any, I get, let's say it's either going to be, you know, I'll give you a UNC or, or Duke. Who would you prefer to play against those? Well, oddly enough, Duke had been, you know, playing pretty well. It's, it's, you know, they, uh, they could, they could, they kind of went through a, a, a reset of their roster and then they came out and, and they were, they were blasting everybody. And then they lost two consecutive overtime games, one to Louisville, one to Georgia Tech. Um, so it's, it's kind of hard to gauge how well they're playing. Um, the, the problem with North Carolina is that uh, we, we know was, – was that my two options? Sorry, Duke and North Carolina? Yeah, like Duke and North Carolina. Yeah, North Carolina, we know what they can do to Florida State with their size and their, and their ability to rebound and Florida State's inability ability to, to rebound on the, on, the, on the defensive end. Um, yeah, so I, I'm I'm thinking at the, at the, at this point I would probably rather 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 face Duke. You know, plus we just haven't we haven't played Duke this year, so it'd be, it'd be fun to see a a new opponent when we've played North Carolina twice. I, I think I agree with you. I think that North Carolina poses a problem for us on the interior that I just don't know that we have, unless our guards are going to come in and be extremely committed to to bodying getting a body on someone, which means that you know late in the game you can't have MJ Walker standing out of the elbow putting his hands in the air screaming for why there's not a goaltending call. What you need is your big six five guard in there putting a body on somebody so that they don't get an offensive you know an offensive rebound. Um, Unless our guards truly commit to that, I, I think I would take Duke as well. Um, it, it is interesting, though, that UNC is not a great three-point shooting team. Maybe uh, in a neutral site, we could neutralize that. And maybe if we went, you know, eight for 20 ourselves, maybe maybe you get that. But I'd probably take Duke. What if I also threw Georgia Tech into the mix? And, and Georgia Tech with a suddenly um, dominating Moses Wright big man who, who has turned in, you know, to Tim Duncan down, down the stretch. Yeah, Georgia Tech looks good. I mean, they've won what six in a row or something. They they they're playing they're playing tough, and we we've already seen them beat Florida State. You know, once once this year, um, you know, for the the, the two teams split and and uh, you know, but but just on a personal note, I I really uh, dislike watching Georgia Tech play, and I I just don't want to have to sit. I don't want I don't want to have to sit through that game. So. I would much rather have a kind of fun run and gun type type game than than watching, you know, Jose Alvarado scream for 40 minutes. 
I, I, I'm with you on that. I, I don't find um, just passengers. And I mean, that kind of matchup zoned. I, I just, I actually like Passner as a, as a guy, he seems, you know, if you know his story and how he even just walked on at Lou Olson's Arizona squad and, and said from the beginning, like, Hey, I'll do anything you want me to just, I just want to be a, a walk-on so that I can eventually be a coach one day. Um, it's a cool story. I don't like the way they play, uh, but it's, it's worth noting that Georgia tech since January 15th. So um, coming up here on almost two months of basketball, uh, Georgia tech is 19th in the country. Uh, over on Bart Torvik, it gives you the ability to, you know, look at things from a certain date as opposed to the whole season. Uh, Florida State's 10th in that stretch since January 15th. That's including the loss today, 10th in the country. UVA is uh, 16th and Georgia Tech is 19th. So, you know, Georgia Tech arguably playing as, as well as anybody in the conference over the last um, month and a half. Yeah, I'd still probably honestly take Duke in that scenario, if I'm being honest. Um, I, I just think that our length and athleticism could, could give problems for a Duke team that doesn't have a whole lot of toughness uh, on the wing or, or inside. Maybe let's talk a little bit about the uh, NCAA tournament quickly, just for, you know, I feel like today we were a three seed on bracket matrix coming in. I don't think this was a Q3 loss. We're going to have to see where Notre Dame shakes out in the net rankings, which update daily. I think because it's on the road and you're given a lot, more margin for error on the road it's only a q2 loss but um i gotta feel like this takes certainly takes a two seed off the table for florida state of the ncaa tournament and maybe puts a three seed in jeopardy unless unless florida state makes it to the acc championship game yeah we certainly have to make it to the championship game may even have to win it to to get to three seed depending on what the other teams around us around us do maybe you know maybe maybe some other teams you know, take, take, take a rough loss and, and, uh, uh, you know, you kind of, kind of fall back. But I, th- I think at, at this point, we're most likely looking at the four or five seed, which is not ideal, but, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. And, and just to, you mentioned some other teams, just to name those other teams, uh, since we're, you know, might as well. Um, so the, the teams that are kind of right around, uh, Florida state on that, like three, four line right now, Villanova, just just lost Colin Gillespie uh, for the season with a torn ACL that that, you know, feel awful for a kid that um, is, is, you know, had an NCAA tournament appearance taken from him last year. And, and now he's gets hurt right before this year's NCAA tournament uh, that could have an impact on Villanova's seating. Uh, the committee does have the discretion to look at the results of a team after losing a, a star player like that compared with when he was on the court. So that that could have an impact. Uh, you also think about Texas has been on a downward slide um, and Purdue obviously can, you know, the, the big 10 is, is kind of a double-edged sword. You have a lot of games. Um, you'll have a lot of opportunities for big wins, but you also have a lot of opportunities to lose games. Um, so, you know, a couple teams could, could definitely take losses to finish out the regular season and then maybe open up a conference tournament with a loss, which, which would put Florida state maybe right back in that three seed conversation. But, to your point, if they fall to the four or five spot, and if that's directly because of their inability to beat a bad Notre Dame team on the road, that's going to be disappointing because that means in the Sweet 16, you're very likely playing either Michigan, Baylor, Gonzaga, or whoever that fourth one seed is, which which seems like it might be Illinois. But you know, you, at that point, you're kind of asking a lot of a team to get past the Sweet 16. 
Yeah, you, the, the those first three teams that you mentioned, you know, Baylor, Michigan, Gonzaga. That that's pretty rough path to to you know to get to to, to, to get past. Um, earlier, you mentioned Villanova. You know, with their their the knee injury to to Colin Gillespie, which is terrible. You know, they're they're down seventeen at the half as we record this to a to a pretty mediocre Providence team. So. Uh, they're, you know, they they may not be the competition, to, you know, to get into the three seed, but but still, it's you know a lot. Of the the point is that you know so, some things are going to have to break Florida State's way, and Florida State is going to have to play well in the ACC tournament to have a chance to to get out of that that four or five slot. Um, you know, maybe on Selection Sunday they'll they'll do something goofy and you know give FSU a six or something, which at this point I'd rather yeah. have than a four or five. And yeah, or, maybe, or maybe Florida State yeah. loses the first game of the AC tournament, falls to yeah. a six. Yeah, very easily could happen. Uh, you mentioned that 2018 team, they lost the first game of the ACC tournament. I believe it was to Louisville. I don't have it in front of me. Uh, they fell to a 10 seed. They were, they had, or no, excuse me, they fell to a nine seed, but got put into uh, Xavier's bracket, which ended up being, you know, kind of the easier one seed to play and happened to be a team they had actually played the previous year mm-hmm. um, and, and was able to get that win. I, if we were on the four or five slot, I, I would feel good about FSU playing against the other four and five teams. You're talking about um, Virginia's and Creighton's and USC's and, Colorado's who kind of like Florida state Colorado is very good at their home court up in elevation. They're not near as good away from home. Um, I, I would feel good about getting to the sweet 16, but you know, Gonzaga just is able to score from everywhere. If, if, if you think that we're putting other teams on the line a lot, I, I feel like Gonzaga would just shoot. I, I don't know. They would, they would drop a hundred on us. Um, Baylor is, is, has, guards that can break you down off the off the dribble drive and and are also among the best shooting three-point team in the country and then michigan has a big man hunter dickinson who's you know an old freshman and and i just i don't know that's kind of like us playing unc i just don't know we have a way to, to slow down hunter dickinson so none of those matchups seem appealing yeah, I, w- I would agree with you there I, I've, I've got i've got no qualms about somehow missing, you know, those to those top three teams. Yeah. So lots of, lots of uh, action still to come. And I think we're going to try, you know, we'll try to make sure we can ramp up some of the podcasts uh, coming into March. Uh, we'll, we'll see here who Florida state is going to end up facing. Uh, they do get the double by regardless. They're either going to be the one seed or the two seed in the ACC tournament. It's just a matter of uh, who their opponent's going to be. And uh, we'll, we'll see there. We'll see from there. I, I still think, Florida state has a, does a lot of things well and has the, there is a recipe for beating good teams when they're shooting well. Um, But, you know, like you said, not going to be able to rely on that elite defense um, to, to make up for something when you're, when you're not shooting quite as well. Uh, You got a prediction on the Louisville, Louisville, Virginia game tonight, since I guess that's going to determine whether or not another banner is hung in the Tucker center. I, th- I think Virginia's favored by like a point and a half or something, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say that Louisville, despite the beatdowns that we've been giving them recently, is gonna gonna step up and do FSU a favor, and then they, they're gonna take down UVA in like a 59-57 game. It's uh, you know, it's interesting to me I, that that's a very reasonable prediction. Uh, Carly Jones for Louisville is certainly a guy who can give UVA fits uh, getting into that pack line defense. I wonder if 
you know, UVA knowing that they now can control their destiny to win the ACC, I wonder if that is is a good thing in terms of their intensity and, and the effort level with which they play or, or, you know, or if that puts a little extra pressure on them and maybe they feel a little tightness knowing that, that you know, they now have a chance to get a banner themselves. Um, I kind of waffled back and forth, but I am going to, I'm going to say Kihei Clark makes a shot at the buzzer to win it for UVA and bring the ACC regular season banner to Charlottesville instead of Tallahassee. All right. Whoever, whoever's sewing our banner right now, you, you can, you can slow down a little bit. <laughs> All right. Uh, Michael, hopefully next time we pod, uh, we'll, we'll have the stink of the Notre Dame game uh, off us and, and be looking forward to a fun postseason. Um, for, for Michael, I'm Matt signing off.